Okay, um, so we're now about an hour before Raden, and we'll talk a little bit about Raden. Now, the truth is, there are two separate entities that are mixed up together, and each one is a Yichud in itself. The Chavetz Chaim is one Indian, um, Raden's the second one. It's really him and the yeshiva are each one is its own Indian, but each one is worth um, talking about and so on. So first we'll speak about the Chavetz Chaim and then we'll we'll speak about the yeshiva. Um, the Chavetz Chaim obviously is, it's an incredible life. It's it's uh, not not shy to speak a few words about it, but I guess we'll try to look at it in a bigger picture and get a sense of his place. Um, in that Kufa and Kal Yisrael. He was born in 1839, which was in many ways a pre-Yeshiva pre era. He grew up in a small town. His, he, his, he became, he was very, very bright from a young age. He was known to be very, very bright. He was known to be very tamimistic and from. He became a Yasim at a young age from his father. Um, his mother raised them uh, for a few years herself and then she remarried somebody uh, from Raden and or moved to Raden and basically he ended up marrying this person's daughter in other words the st he married his stepsister which the halach is if you didn't grow up together if, if you didn't become step siblings at a young age you can marry and um, he ended up marrying her he not much is known about his younger years in terms of um, development and so on. There are stories, famous stories that you all heard already, uh, you know, and so on. But the one thing that emerges is his asmada, um, his kishoynis, but his sitkis was there from a very young age. He was mushpa by a few people, Reb Nachum Herdanke and others, but again, we don't know all that much about his younger years. We know that he had a, a reputation as being a big Balkishrin and Maskilam tried to be on him and the and basically he pushed them off and he forever remembered it and had some harsh things to say about the person um, who tried to be Mashpi on him to leave. Um, he began to become a I guess I guess if we try to put a framework around his life's enterprises. <laughs> Zikri Harabim is probably the best way of describing it. In other words, all of the things that he did, said, um, and so on, were always with the intent of what's needed. He, you know, it's most people who are Mechaber Sefer have their own Geschmack and learning, they have their own chidushim, have their own knech, and, and they publish it, and you know, and that adds to the world, and so on. He went the other way around, and he would always ask himself what's needed, and do that. His svarim are all the product of a sense of things that were needed. Um, the first one was the famous Chavetz Chaim, which he wrote um, anonymously, and that was about Lashahara. He felt there was no safer, not in the field, but Tachlis, there was no, Lashahara is, is a very big Avera. It, it, it's, it's all we have is Chazal Nagarit, it's about how bad it is. We don't have anything in terms of a halacha. And that's, he put it out and worked hard at spreading it. By the way, he earned his Parnassa. He, he was promised when he married his wife a certain amount of support. His father-in-law then became poor. His father lost it, but he inherited a fair amount of money from, his, from some karev, which he used to open up a, a grocery store that his wife ran, and that was his parnasa. Um, it's only in his later years when he felt that people are coming to buy because of him, it's sort of a tourist attraction, and other people don't have Parnassa because of it, that he closed down and started living off Svarim. But Lamaisa, he, um, he, he's um, 
Parnassa was money that had been left as Yerusha, which he opened up a grocery store with, and he would come and occasionally check the weights for Bethesda, check the books, he would do some of the bookkeeping, and that was his uh, Parnassa. So he began writing Svarim, and even the Mishnah Brura was written because he felt that people no longer were able to learn Archaim. There was no clear Mahala for learning Archaim. He wrote many, many Svarim, most of which appear in the collected works, not known publicly. I want to discuss some of them. Um, he wrote Avas Chesed, which was about. Um, all sorts of specific halachas, lending money, um, paying people on time, things that are not so uh, mitzvahs nadiras, we would call them today, so, like like uncommon mitzvahs, things of that nature. He wrote about women covering their hair, a sefer. He wrote Taras HaMishpacha, a sefer. He wrote a fascinating sefarim, two fascinating sefarim that are really interesting. One is called Nitche Yisrael, and it's for people living in the sticks. By the way, Radna was considered to be civilization, and New York was the sticks in terms of that safer. Um, and how to keep Yiddishkeit when it's difficult. He had heterim, he had kulas, eitzes, and stuff like that, and exhortations. But um, I'll tell you a story that I heard from somebody. There was a person who moved to Costa Rica. He wanted to move to Costa Rica, his wife didn't. Um, they came to Chavetz Chaim, and Chavetz Chaim told her if he wants to move and he's intent on being Erol Chayid, you have to move with him. And he gave them a set of advice on how to keep Yiddishkeit. And this I heard from the grandson, who is a Bentayra. He told them for a mikveh, he said a big barrel is the minimum share of a mikveh. He said dig a hole in the ground put in a barrel so that the barrel is totally covered, in other words, so that you have the shear of a hole, wait for it to fill with rainwater, and you have a mikveh that's kosher to be tevelin. As I heard from the name, the name of the family, it's a very, very fine family, it's called Grunhaus. They have kids in a whole bunch of places, and he actually, the son of the person who moved, was for many years the honorary consul of Costa Rica in Israel. Uh, he's a Tardas boy, he learned Tardas, they sent Tardas to learn. I'll go upon him, that's one. And there's another a sefer called Machna Yisrael. Um, unfortunately, people who had been drafted to the army found it very hard to keep Yiddishkeit. They were also quite uh, Tzabrachen, and the Chavetz Chaim um, made a whole sefer, same thing, uh, Kulas, whatever you know whatever you could minimal amount if you have very little time to dive if you can't do this if you can't do that what should you do a real really real amisa plus different musa and chizuk and so on and so forth and on and on many 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 sefarim that he wrote when he felt it was a tzarech hashar including mishabura he, he, he wrote to mishabura because he felt there was a need for it not because he wanted to publish any mischadushim um so the making the yeshiva was something that he also felt was a tzarech. Um and this he made in the in the uh, 1869 was when he founded the yeshiva and we'll see later we'll talk soon about the yeshiva but it, again for him the yeshiva was what was needed you will notice also and i think it's not really spoken about a lot the yeshiva the way it was established and the way it evolved, actually, and with the Chavetz Chaim's direction, was to resemble other Litvish yeshivas in the dress, in the culture, and the learning. The Chavetz Chaim himself did not, that wasn't his priority. He really would have liked a little bit of a different Lavush. He would have liked, you know, certain certain modernity not to have crept in. Derech Halimur, he felt, wasn't quite what it should be. But he also understood that the need for the door is to have what we call a Litvish Yeshiva with, with the whole style and everything with it. And therefore he was Nikolai. He, 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 he had his own sheetas and deyas about what's right. Um, I'll share a story that I found actually recently. 
Reb Mechobel Weissmandel um, had gone to him, and Reb Mechobel Weissmandel came from Oberland, which was Slovakia. He was a much more what we would call today Siddish type, um, you know, a beard, short jacket, but a beard, and Hamish, a different different style, in, in, you know, and so on. And he came to Chavetz Chaim and to Chaim and he spoke to him learning Chavetz Chaim. He, he also he, he spoke a long time Chavetz Chaim. Chavetz Chaim told him meet Reb Chaim and go back to Slovakia. Lit is not a place for you. He said there are things that are done today because there's a tzorah for the door and the learning is not the way it should be either. But Lamaisa, that's the way we have to do it here. If you have a place that sticks more to the original, that's where you should. That's where you should go. So his his um, his mahalach was he, he very much understood um, what was needed, and but even though it wasn't exactly his shita, his derech in learning was very straightforward, um, very lemaisa. And what makes it astounding is, just like Rashi and the Rambam, you could learn whatever derech you're learning on. They quote unquote make sense. You can use it. Mishapura works well. No matter whatever derech limud you're on, it it, it resonates well. He, he was above it. His 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 shilas and his deliberations actually fit almost every single derech, and and you can live with it and 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 say it in, in many different ways, and it works. It's it's a godless that he was beyond that. He his musr, he was part of. In one way, he was part of the Muslim movement, in the in the sense that he felt that yeshivas need to incorporate a strong program of learning about Yerushalayim and stuff like that. His derech in Musa was also pre-yeshiva, and his derech in Musa was very, very pashit. You know, not, none of the sophistication that some of the Bal Musa used like Rabbi Ruchem, whose ideas had a certain type of, let's call it philosophical depth, psychological depth. You know, it was dressed in a bit of a more um, modern type of language, uh, similar to what Lomdas had done to learning. The Chavetz Chaim's Musa was simple, straightforward, um, f- with tremendous Hishtapchus uh, HaNefesh. He lived what he said, he lived every word that he, that he spoke, he, 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 he projected his whole person into it, and his own Musa in Yerushalayim was very, very, very simple, straightforward. Um, he also spent a lot of time being misboded and talking to himself. When he would learn Musa with himself, and people would, would sometimes stand behind the closed door and listen, he spoke to himself and he spoke to Rebbein Shalom in a way as if they were very present. Um, he would talk to himself and say, you know, he'd be mochich himself with the same language that he used to be mochich other people. He would speak to Rebbein Shalom like a child to a father. Very, very um, extremely involved um, in conversations. That was his Musa and that's how he, that's how he spoke. That's how he um, addressed others and Akadosh Baruch Hu and himself. It was all the same. He um, was very, very... What's very fascinating about him is he was a very big tzaddik. He, he did not seem to live the world. He was beyond the world. And yet he discusses so many real-life situations in a way that makes you feel that he's very much part of the world. He, he brings tons and tons of examples in all of his farm that are... Um, extremely common how people think, how people interact, what type of Lashon Hara people speak about each other, um, how did, you know, um, how people get upset at each other, on and on. It, 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 it was something where he seemed to understand the world extremely well, even though he was extremely makbit on not talking, on not listening, Lashon Hara, and so on and so forth. Um, so his his so he, he his own learning was pshat halacha lamaisa. His own musa was very straightforward, without chachmas. 
but he understood that the yeshiva needs to have whatever it takes to attract Bachrin. He himself was probably the only figure in the literature world that sort of had Rebbe overtones. What I mean is, in the literature world, they, they related to Rabbanim's words as Divrei Chachma, not Divrei Nevoah. You, 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 the reason you didn't argue with an Adam Gadol was because he's much smarter, more knowledgeable, and wiser than you. But the idea that people have connections upstairs and, and sort of Ruch HaKodesh did not exist in the literature world. Um, the Chavetz Chaim's standing was different. Chavetz Chaim's standing was that he was from a different world and people felt that he had Ruach HaKadosh and was beyond and so on. A story I can tell you, a personal story, I did not see the Chavetz Chaim, but let's not jump the gun on that. I had a Rebbe, Rebbe Zeyl Epstein, who was a Grodner Talmud, a big Balmusa, one Adam Godlat Moid, and he once went into the Chavetz Chaim to ask, he, he went to Rav Chaim and he asked for brachas. So he had all the names of his family printed out. He had a sister who lived in America. As far as they were concerned, she was from and Shem and Mitzvah. They had no idea of anything else. He went to Rav Chaim with a list of everybody and the Rav Chaim got to her name and he said, not everybody deserves a bracha. And he repeated it twice and wouldn't give a bracha. He later found out that she had already cast off Torah mitzvahs and uh, married somebody who wasn't keeping mitzvahs, and that was it. At the end of the days, his sister did come around again. She lived with him, she, she was so on. But upon him, um, that was a type of story that people took as a Dava Pashat. They understood the Chavetz Chaim is a Baruch HaKodesh. They related to him as such, and the words that the Chavetz Chaim said was seen as being prophetic rather than just being um, than just being, uh, uh, you know, different chachma and, and wisdom and so on. Um, he he looked, he was considered to be the, the manig Yisrael, but it's interesting his relationship with Reb Chaim Moiza was such. And we'll speak about it more when we get to Vilna. He deferred to Reb Chaim Moiza as the Godlador, and you know he held Reb Chaim Moiza to be the manig but after Chavetz Chaim said anything or felt anything, um, people would not do. They they took his words. If Chavetz Chaim said something, they took his words as Ruach Hakodesh, and that's how he was the only the only personality in the literature world that had that type of standing. The yeshiva he founded um, was it, it started. He himself was saying a shir in a small town somewhere. He moved to Radn. He, he was living in Radn, so he, he founded the yeshiva there in 1869. The yeshiva itself was on a small burner, it was old-fashioned yeshiva, it really wasn't, didn't get traction. It got its first traction in 1883 when he brought in his son-in-law, Herschel Levinson. Herschel Levinson was dynamic, very tichtik, teigler, he was a very chasher person in his own right. He began running the yeshiva and he began, uh, um, you know, making things happen, getting bachrim, building, he, he was the Ruach HaChaim of the Yeshiva, and he took over basically from Rav Chaim. Rav Chaim didn't want to have the burden of the Yeshiva, and, and he, Rav Herschel Levinson was the Benayal and, and, and took it over. In 1900, they took a Rosh Yeshiva. His name was Ramesha Lundinsky. He was a Goyen Atzim, a Velazhna Talmud, a Bucky Niflon in all of in all of Taira. He was a Bucky in in, in, in a way that the Chavetz Chaim would ask Gemara Mekoma sometimes. That's the level of Bekiah as he was. Again, I heard a story from somebody who spoke to him. Reb Sham Shafal Weiss, who was a Chaim Shalabis Mechutin, who I knew well, told me that he once spoke to Reb Hershel Levinson, to, to, to Reb Hershel He was German, uh, Weiss. I don't know how the conversation got started, to how many times you have to learn something. He, Reb Moshe told Reb Shachal Weiss, I has it Bobakama over a thousand times. And he said, a thousand times? He said, yeah, Deitchel. Deitchel is, you know, German. Uh, a thousand times, over a thousand times. So he was a phenomenal Bucky. He, sh- he didn't say any Shurim. Um, you know, he said Shurim, but they were not attractive Shurim. And he did not attract an Eilam. So in 1904, 
the Chavetz Chaim asked him permission to bring in another Rosh Hashiva. Now, I'd, I'd like to mention a book that speaks about this, and I think it's a phenomenal book to read. There's a book called Bishvile Radin, written by Rabbi Shodinsky, a great-grandson. Plato, they have, uh, they, 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 Plato, they, they, they're a family, they live in Atisrael, some of them, they have a Shiva Natani, what? The, the one that's called Plato, 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 and, what? Ah, okay, um, so he wrote Bishvili Radin, a very, very, um, a, a, a very factual account of things there. And, and he writes something that's astounding. It's something that's, it's where you can learn Musa from things that are true. Rav Chaim asked Rav Moshe permission to bring in Rav Naftali Trapp. Rav said, it was very difficult for me, but I knew it was the right thing, and I, and I said yes. And he brings a story from somebody who was walking with Rav Moshe by Radni Shiva. This, this is Ivya, it's where Chaimaiza was born, I'm told. It's also, yeah, um, you can see where people came from. <laughs> the, um, the, um, and he writes there that there was one, no, I'm sorry, Rebbeishel Dinsky was once walking by with somebody else, the Beis Medrash, when Raftoli was saying a share. Beis Medrash was jam-packed and kochik. And... Ramesha told him, you know, it's very hard for me, but look at how much it did for the yeshiva. So, um, so he brought in a 1904 Rav Naftali and the yeshiva really took off afterwards. Um, Rav Naftali brought in a tremendous ruach into the yeshiva. Rav Naftali's Torah was extremely geschmack. His, he was, first of all, extremely clear presented ideas and loved this very clear very engaging full of life he was a very charismatic person and it really really attracted a lot of Bachrim and and it changed it made Radin into a major league player um, and and Radin was extremely matzliach in those years the Chavetz Chaim's role in the yeshiva was limited a he raised the money for the yeshiva because people who came to Chavetz Chaim would leave donations for the yeshiva. If the Chavetz Chaim sent a letter to somebody, he would, you know, it meant something and people would give money for the yeshiva. So the Chavetz Chaim really took the achrayas for the money of the yeshiva. The Chavetz Chaim would say Musash Musen in his house mostly, a lot of times. Some Bachum went, some Bachum didn't go. It's looking back in, in, in retrospect, you wonder how somebody could not go here to Chavetz Chaim. But you know, when, when somebody's living, and um, people said that, that they wished that they, you know, they would write down something. People, it was just the Chavetz Chaim was like a fixed entity. Yeah, the Chavetz Chaim saying a shmuz, saying a shmuz, saying a shmuz. There wasn't uh, people, people, people were in awe of him, but people did not sit and write down his stuff. And the Mela, we lost a huge amount. Chavetz Chaim was constantly speaking to every Musa, and we don't have much of it. So he he said he said this is Musa. He made any major decision in yeshiva who to take in, who not to take in, as far as um, you know, Ramim Rosh Hashivas, and but that was it. But Lemay said, and he sort of spread his wings on the yeshiva. It was his yeshiva, but his input was not much more than that. Um, so he, and and he, he he recognized that what the door needed was what was fit for that door. He brought in Mashkiach um, and and so on. That was that was the the, the, the yeshiva. Remaftoli was nifta quite suddenly in 1928, and the truth is, from that point onwards, the yeshiva started reeling. His son started saying unofficial haburis, um, and he was nifta. There were one or two others who were nifta young people, and the yeshiva really, really began to fall apart. The Chavetz Chaim was very older. Um, and the uh, Chavetz Chaim was nifted in '33, and it was already, uh, you know, so so it really sort of began to slowly um, I- I fall apart at that point. Um, my, uh, I had a Rebbe who learned in Raden by Rav Tully. His name was Rabbi Zakhtendel Zchanim He would tell us fascinating stories about Raden. 
and um, you know, and and he he explained that the the the, the, the Reb was quote unquote of the new door, and the Bachim really related to him. The Chavetz Chaim was like the older from the old door, and people were in awe of him. They were scared of him. But the, the ones the Bachram really related to was Raftali, and he was the the one, and he had all sorts of interesting stories about different things that happened and so on. But I'll call upon him, um, that was the Surah Yeshiva, um, and uh, it it slowly began to disintegrate. It you know some of the, the, there were many yeshivas named after Chavetz Chaim. He, um, there was in in New York, you have the famous Queens Chavetz Chaim. Which held himself, he, Rav David Leibowitz held himself to be a Talmud Muvak of the Chavetz Chaim, and named it Chavetz Chaim. T.A. in Baltimore named itself Chavetz Chaim. It, his grandchildren um, in Muncie opened up a Chavetz Chaim. People named Yeshivas Chavetz Chaim either with Talmidim, out of out of respect for for the God Ladar that passed away, and so on. That was different names of Chavetz Chaim. Um, of the children left, he, he himself had a son. One or two children, boys. Um, his son-in-law, the one that the one that's most famous is Remendel Zaks. He was active in the yeshiva there. He said a shared yeshiva. He later came to America. If I'm not mistaken, he married the youngest daughter of Chavetz Chaim. Not mistaken. He um, came to America. He was a Rosh Hashiva in Yeshiva University or Yisgachanan. He had a, a small school, a small uh, like cheder um, in the West Side. His son became famous as Shivan and Son of Hillzaks, and there's a lot of other from that Mishpacha, from the Zaks Mishpacha. But she was Meirach Yomim, Chavetz Chaim's daughter, and uh, she lived until uh, not too long ago, no, two decades ago, probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago. She was the youngest daughter, and she would have stories about her interaction with her father. Um, and, and so on, but it was again, it was the Chavetz Chaim in his later age, and she was the youngest one. The um, so Al Kaponim, it's it's uh, you know, it, it, for for the Litvish Yeshiva world, Chavetz Chaim stands as the closest thing to a Rebbe to a, a Balruch HaKodesh. Um, his Sfarim and his uh, you know, the, the, the Zika Rabbim. The, the Mishabura has become the Mishabura. The um, the idea of Shmir Salashan, nobody held the Lashon Hara before him, but to bring it to the front burners of, of what's important and to actually have it worked out as halacha was an incredible feat. That's what he accomplished. And um, the Yeshiva itself produced some tremendous Tamechachamim, and the Bez Hashem will be there soon, I guess. What? In 40 minutes. Okay, so I'll go him. Um, that's the, the, you know, the, those are things I could uh, tell over. Where did Rav Talitzov learn? Himself was a Velazhna Talmud who had a Shaykhs with Reb Chaim Briska. We'll speak about it when we get to Velazhna. Most of Reb Chaim's Talmudim were interacting with him in Velazhna. So that's where he, he interacted with him. What? It was tells also, but 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 he had a personal shyness at the time. Yes. Well, what? So question is how come he didn't think Chay Adam was enough or Ketzosh and why did he write in Mishabura? So the truth is the, the, A, the Ketzosh was a Hungarian Sefer. It, it had Hungarian Minhagim and, and therefore wasn't so fitting. Chay Adam was written for Balabatim which means that if somebody wanted to learn up and be, if a Rav wanted to learn up something in Archaim and be able to be done on the Indian, you couldn't do it from the Chayadam. The Chayadam was Piske Alachas without Shaykhaz Zhagaruch. So it, it was like the same problem of all Kitsurim. It, it, it was dead end in a certain sense. The Mishnebrura, if you, if you look at it, it's in a large bare Haytev on the Shagaruch. So what he did was he took everything that had come from the bare Haytev onwards. 
um, it, where the Behetev sums up the Magna Avram and the Taz and you know and basically uh, not much more than that. He he um, he summed up. I mean Behetev, he, he summed up everything that came post that, and it's it's basically meant to be a kli a, a for someone to learn Shacharuch well, um, and for Bentoira to 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 be able to learn halacha. Chayodim is meant for Eden that had a half hour a day from work to be able to learn halachas that you're supposed to do. That's uh, where, where Mishmur came in. What was the role of Chavaz Chaim's children and children-in-law in writing the Mishmur? So, um, you know, everybody, he learned, he learned a lot of the halacha. He, he, he had a son as a Chavrus of his. But by the way, there are two biographies of Chavaz Chaim that are worth um, that are worth uh, looking at. His son wrote his son wrote um, memories of his father. They're, they're quite candid and interesting. They appear in in the uh, Likute in the, in the three volumes that has all the times for him. His his um, his biography of his father appears there, and that's probably the most reliable source to start with. There's somebody Yosher who wrote, and it's considered to be a reliable work. Um, his, he learned with his son the Mishabura. They, they, they learned Bechavrusa. He, he would learn Bechavrusa and then he would write it. But Chavot Chaim himself was Magiris for him. They, they, they're not, they weren't written by somebody else. Empire. What? Empire. No, you know, they, they, nobody changed it afterwards. Oh. <laughs> that was Rizalma's daughter. Oh, Rizalma's daughter, no, Rizalma's wife, she typed up, she, she wrote out the Stegotaira at the print. But, um, I don't know. There's, there, there is. They, they, they looked like more modern Shiva Bachrim. If you look at the pictures, they have your clean shaven, very bright. Um, one of them lived in America and died without leaving children, to the best of everybody's knowledge. Um, and I don't know. Like, like, not much is known about it. I know the speculation. I know that there's blogging, but I don't know. It's, it's the, the, um, you know, the family is sort of. Uh, it's, you know. It was unknown, and that was it. What about the son-in-law that, that was the man the yeshiva? He was Nifta, Balpana Vavishver. And then his son was Nifta. They, they, but he was the one that... The Chavitz was tremendous mitzvah on it. And first of all, said... No, isn't there a Kagan? Is it Denver? That's not a... Kagan, Kagan, the Kagan is Kohen. It, it, since the Russians can't say a hey, like Harodna and Grodna, so, so Kagan means Kohen. So it's, it, it's, 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 like, it's a generic name. Oh, he's not really. I never heard from I grew up with them. I, I grew up with, with, with Kagan. They, they, they don't have any years from him. And, and, and so you said that, that uh, Chavaz Chaim was very practical, that he knew what Yeshiva Bachem needed. What, why did Yeshiva Bachem need that kind of thing? And why couldn't he so make it? Let, let me tell you, so, you know, let, let me tell you a, a, a different story, which I think is very... I, I, I have a book at home. Um, it's... it's, it's Biographical accounts, it's, it's personal accounts of people in Europe between the wars. Um, I haven't looked in a long time. I don't remember. It's a big, thick volume. One of them is a somebody who was a Hill rabbi in Harvard. I'm not even sure if he's Orthodox. I don't remember. I, I remember this is a long, long time ago. And he writes that when he was a young Bacha, he grew up in Poland. And, his, um, and he wanted to go learn in Rameyah Shapiro's Shiva Lublin. And his father told him, no. His father said, let me explain to you your psychology. If you want to learn, there's a cloise down the block and you could sit there and learn to your heart's desire. The reason you want to go to Lublin, Rameyah Shapiro, is because the Bachron were very shtadi. They would have silver walking sticks that they walked with. That was like Chashev. You want to, you want to walk with a silver walking stick. So he writes, this person, I think his name was Goldstein or something like that. It's, it's all, he writes, my father was right and my father was wrong. He was right that that's exactly why I wanted to go to Lublin. And that was my motivation. He was wrong that he said, there's no way I could, I would have learned without going there and getting that walking stick. In, in other words, there was a need for certain things, Lamashal. Let me let me let me tell you, the Chavetz Chaim, 
would yell at the Bachrim who walked with silver walking sticks. He said it, it's gaiva and it's and it's and it's a lack of stoppers, but more so and so forth. Reb Naftali, when the Chavetz Chaim wasn't looking, would walk with a walking stick like that. Um, the Chavetz Chaim didn't hold of people shaving. The Chavetz Chaim didn't hold of changing the lavush. The Chavetz Chaim wasn't into spending money for spiffy stuff. Um, the Chavetz Chaim wanted they should learn from Brachas Tulnida. Um, and 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 but he also understood that for today's door, you need to have a yeshiva that has yeshivish stuff that they learned yeshivish derech. You know, he understood that that's what's needed. He brought in originally the first yeshiva was a bucky, and then he happened. He brought in because he was exactly that was the type that was the schnit that he wanted, and he recognized it's not drawing and it's 100%. But it was because a skull that the Bachar needed? It was a counteract that skull? Well, it was two things. I may I speak about it when we get to Velazhin. The Haskala had two elements to it, two, three elements. One was thinking, you know, and, and you know, trying to understand things. The second one was a certain shtariness. Yeshiva Bachar used to be like a neb, you know, torn clothing, um, no money dependent on other people, parush, and peep and if you wanted to get an oilum, so when everybody was was depressed and repressed, so Yeshiva Bacha is just more than everybody else. But when people started like if you take a look at a student was somebody who had a big mane of hair combed back with like golden glasses looking very thoughtful. And if Yeshiva Bacha couldn't match that, then then he was a nep. So Yeshiva Bacham needed to sort of have that same type of mahalach. Shaving. Shaving was considered to be like a hallmark of, of somebody with it, modern, or somebody uh, old-fashioned. Beards were peasants and, and you know, and kind of, pe- you know, backwards people. Clean shave was modern city people. Uh, it was all, all of that flavor. So it's, it's, it's more than just Haskalah. It's a certain ruach of the, of the times. Original Avush was like, was like Hasidim, like, you know, a long coat, no shaving, um, and, and they didn't have shirts. The, the, if the old-time Yoshalmis wear the real Avush, I don't think anybody left like that anymore. Um, what? You know what? Yeah, so, uh, okay. Okay. So, well, maybe we'll see that. He, 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 he wear the old time lavush was long underwear and a coat. Zehu. What? A long tzitzis, yeah, tzitzis. But, but I say that was the lavush. The more modern people started wearing shirts. Um, that was before blue shirts, even Even white shirts were modern once upon a time. And if you couldn't afford a full shirt, you wore manjet. You wore a collar with little, with little, with little things. What? And you heard it under the coat, so so it was like a false tie. You know, you you hit that, and and that's what you wore. What? So when when Chazal, that's why when when, when Halacha speaks about a beggar Elyon, they're not. You know, it's it's not clear that pants and shirt would not be beggar Elyon. They, 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 I mean, the place where you can demand a jacket is because the derech to go in front of a nichbar is with a jacket. You still don't walk into a chashav without a jacket. But as as Lavush Elyon, the truth is. It, it means in the olden days, in 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 Bavel, they wore underclothes of some sort, like a kasainis, mechasayim, and then they wore a, a, a robe, a, like a big, like a kimono of sorts. That that, that was that's the primitive of the bush. What? That wasn't for home. Nicole. What do you mean it was for home? Yeah, yes. I don't. It, it, the the um, it, it, I mean, someone asked the the Slonim Rebbe, the Sivir Shalom once wanted to to try to make a yeshiv at Tveria. yeshiv. He said all the gdolim were very all the gdolim. So he said he was there for half a year. He said he wasn't mechadish one chiddish because of the heat. And he said it's it's you can't live there. So someone asked him, so how did they live? So he said, when you're dressed in underwear and you keep your feet in the bucket of water, you can live there. But when you have to wear chesidish lavush, you know, in those days, and at home, you took off. You were, it was long undergarments, so it was it was a lavush with like pajamas. But cholif, uh, and you couldn't go out like that. I want to go back to the, the, the point that was like, yeah. said it's time wanted people to learn brachas to Yeah. Is it a true statement to say that hakol moidim, that that's the right way to learn? 
to attract people to learning, and that's where it came all the yeshivish raids, etc. So, so first, so always, I mean, so yes, the derech of learning. We'll speak of a lot when we get there. The derech of learning was from A to Z. So long as the as the tachlis of learning was just to sit and learn, there was no special derech. So brachas to need that did it for you. I mean, that was it. That was Torah. That's called Torah. The changes started in Marshall in Hungarian communities where Balabat would learn for a few years and then leave. You obviously stuck to Bracha Shabbos Chulin because that was Lamaisa, that was Mos Nagea. In the Yeshivish world, as Abchayim developed his derech, the sugyas that were easier to learn with took precedence. They were easier to use as derech. So, 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 so that's where Yeshivish Mosefters came from. So again, it, there was a, it, there's a fascinating Haggah of the Chazanish on Abchaim that's not printed. It's one of those Haggahs they didn't print. Um, he writes in the in the, the Hagdama that Abchaim's children write that he um, that he he answered many important things on the Rambam. There's some sort of comment about what happened to the Torah of Beis Yosef, and, and 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 it's very very telling. The Torah of Yosef is gathering in all the shittas, the halacha shittas, making some sort of achra. The Rambam is his shita in Kolotari Kula. You can't make a Reb Chaim on the tour because it, it's a combination of shittas. You can't. The, the, the Rambam is one shita on all of Torah. You can ask kashas, stiras, yisaidus, and so on. But you can't, you can't actually, um, you know, make the type of uh, Torah that is, uh, okay. So uh, where did they take out the halacha in Shavis? What does that mean? What do you mean? Where is it? The fact that the, the yeshivas today, you ask them, most of yeshivas today, you ask them, I don't, I don't pass the halachas. What does that mean? Wasn't it learning more for the halacha and therefore the yeshivas should know the halacha? So, you know what, it's Lehavdil, like the same split, like the science. In the old days, a scientist, a doctor, was somebody who knew biology and who healed people. And as the science got bigger and the field got bigger, a professor of biology is not a doctor, a doctor is not a professor of biology. A, a, a physicist is not, you know, the great physicist can't fix your washing machine. And the guy who fixed your washing machine probably never took physics in, in school. I, I, physics and washing machines became two different areas, even though uh, the engineer had to know physics to design it. Yeah, the person got smaller, not the subject bigger. What? Or, uh, the subject didn't get bigger, the, yes, the people got smaller. But, 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 but also... But, but, there is... Reb Chaim developed, Reb Chaim developed principles, which wasn't so much... It brought out a helicopter that wasn't there before, you can't... It's a focus. It's a language, and it's a it's a focus that that understanding the fundamentals. How halacha by its nature is. Let's give an example. An engineer, when he designs a bridge, says, "I think we'll make it stronger." You never know what the steel is like. You never know how much people will use it. This and that. We'll add a little bit more steel. A physicist can't say that that X amount of weight times X amount of surface area puts be'erech, this amount of pressure on something. There's no be'erech. It, 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 you either have exact numbers or you or, or you don't have a formula. There are no formulas that say it, tr it, it should be a little more than this. It, it, it doesn't work like that. It, it's a chemist doesn't, it's, it's not like a cooking book. Add, add pepper to taste. It, it, it chemistry works precision. X amount of chemical plus Y chemical in the presence of catalyst X will will produce a, a, a perfect what? Yeah, course, we know that. But but so in learning, there's no psak that's ever given with real precision. You say right there is anointed this way nearly. That's a typical. That's a typical psak of a rough. No rough makes a shikel tyrant. There, 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 there are two or three in, in, in Shuvah's farm, Rabbi Kivega is unusual. 
his tshuvas for him and his halachas for him and his, his gilyoinus are the same yisoidus. Now that they've taken out the pieces and put them together, he never switches his mind when he's learning the Gemara or, or when he's paskening. That's where Kivayigat, Neidib Yehuda is a safer. Most other tshuvas for him are, are they're dressed to a specific matziv. And, and even the Shacharach is machriya. He's not, Shacharach is not saying Han Vesavis. He's saying, you know, he's passing the Kula, the Chumra, but leaving it in a certain way because of the weight of the different shitas. The Rambam is learning up Kalatar Kula the way he, the way Seichel Rambam is doing. Set and you only use it for tea, 
or did you put in chicken broth once or you thought you maybe in other words or practically speaking who put it in where did you leave it afterwards it, 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 there's a, you know halacha needs to take in a lot more practical factors So Ramesha is an unusual Paisik in that he said Pshat, he, he learned up a sugya. Ramesha is is also a Yosa Dolphin, but it's much easier. People accept this Psakim. But for our generation, he is. For previous generations, all the big Paisik are like that. Yes and no. If, if you take a look, the Cholza is very few Sfarim. Nobody, nobody I know of takes Ramesha's Yosaitis and learns up the sugyas like that. It, it's not Muscle region and Pshat. And very few people use it that way. Perkimega is the same. And Behuda Yusaitis that become used. But but it, those the big sparring were Machadis Yusaitis, but again they they tended to be much more focused at a certain specific circumstance and to say the Sugis don't only in this case or that case. Remission is unusual in that panorama, that's true. Just, uh, in terms of the last I didn't. I didn't think that even briskers really think that the brisker Tyra is what the Rambam meant. I mean, B'derach Klal. Obviously, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But B'derach Klal, I think briskers would admit that most of the time, of course, that's not what the Rambam meant. It's so of Chaim's ability to paint to say his own Tyra in in the Rambam's, um, 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 uh, you know, uh, uh, safer. I, I don't. I, I first of all, right. No, I think that's, I heard that from a brisker. No, so I, I don't, th- so anybody who considers himself... We could expand this on, forget about... Forget about, forget about, forget about, forget about did Reftali believe that he was same shot in the Rambam? Why? So why do you think on Reftali? Reftali in the Rambam and Shimon in, in, in the Rambam? Well, well, no, Reftali is the shortest fall of it. Yeah. I understood. So, so, uh, no, so... He's so, so, the Rebbe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, I think we make a mistake about this. Let's... First of all, I do think the real briskers really believe in it. A, I, I think that that separates. And you don't. What? L- l- let me explain to wait. I understand. No, 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 I'm asking you. You know, when somebody comes along and makes a statement, sort of defining someone else's sack, someone else's words, he he he's learning up that this is a din mitzvah to get and so on. Whether or not the Rambam had the same vocabulary, which he obviously didn't, but but is your way of looking at it really the Rambam? Reb Chaim is always being machriachit. If you see that it's required in this case and in this case in this case, Bal Karchoch, the way we would describe it is as such. of Abdullahs, you know, when you learn law, what you're trying to do is you have a, you have a lot of different cases and you're trying to describe a principle. That defines the thought process of all the people, of all of, of all, all the, 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 the the basic decisions. None of the people may have been thinking those words, but but you may actually have defined it accurately. In other words, a, a good Reb Chaim is when he's defining, we're looking at this. Where does this mitzvah come from? Is this describing the is hither mitzvah describing the chayfets, or it's it's a proper chayfets, or or it's an additional type of avodas Hashem? By looking at this halacha and this halacha, I can prove to you this is... So it certainly is an accurate, if it's right, it's an accurate description of how you understand. It may have been subconscious in the Rambam, but you see the Rambam's tfisa was, if it's shaykh, if you have hidden in this case, and not in this case, if it's here and here and there, don't you understand that he understood hidden mitzvah as being part of a person that... A, a good lamdash shtickle should is is a reworking of somebody else's words to tell you something. It's like a good historian. A good historian doesn't take information and just republish it because they don't a safe. You can take all the records of Yivo and publish it, and you have nothing. You have just an archive. But somebody says, looking at all these, let me define a tkufa. Maybe no one in the tkufa thought of that, but now that you have definition, it, it's the right. It, it's a right way of describing somebody's mindset. It's a right way of describing the halachuach. Um, you know, the Rambam did not have the vocabulary of Chaim's. The vocabulary helps you, helps you focus, understand it. It's just like Lahabdul, somebody learns in in, you know, in a college at, at some higher level or law school. So, so a person it takes read this paragraph and give me a good definition of what's being said over here. 
it, it's a certain sophistication of being taif is what the nekud is and finding a right words that accurately define it. And, and that's what Reb Chaim did. Reb Chaim said a lot of the problems that you have is because you haven't defined. Yes, Kakashu in Mitzvah, you can give a tarot that, that in some case, like this, like I said, like this. Reb Chaim said, redefine. We're missing a basic vision of what Hidu Mitzvah is. Is it, is it a, 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 a general halacha that Hidu Mitzvah is like Avaz is it is it a quality that applies to many Mitzvahs, like, 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 like um, Mitzvah of Avera? And it, once I properly define, by using the facts, I give the right definition of it, you'll see that everything clicks into place. There's no hint of that type of story in the Rambam. Correct. So that's, that's the whole But the vocabulary is a new vocabulary, but, but it gives you... There's no hint of the story. You make a mistake. The hint lies. If, if I ask you, um, so let's, let's give an example. The, the Gemara says something like, shoot at the dining. Let's take a dip, just to pick it off the, the top end because I was just looking at it. Shur Dayan says that Dayan does whatever he feels like. That's the words of the Gemara, that's the Lach of the Gemara. I can now say this, those words fit two principles. One is you resign from the case because basically you have nothing to, to value to add to it. So 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 it might as well just do whatever you think is good for Israel. Or Another way of looking at Shodayna is you use intuition um, despite the fact that you don't have um, clear legally, um, you know, um, legal evidence, but you use intuition to bring it to you, whoever wants. Both of them fit Shodayna. The Gemara is not using any of those words, but for me to accurately understand what it means, either one is appropriate. Um, a get, a get is two document. A get has a star element to it. It fits halachas a star. Right, a gemara getting all the time is doing it, and it has its own unique properties. So I can I can ask myself on different halachas: Are these part of the unique properties of a get, or are these part of a star? This language is a new language. It's a new language, but the concept, the, the, the idea of it, should be inherent in it. Let me give you another example. Most business people are not intellectuals. Most business people work by the seat of the pants, and that's why and that's why they make a, a, lot, a lot of money. When when a good analyst sits down and analyzes how a certain business worked well, he's going to use a lot of fancy vocabulary. The, the guy doing the business may have not known anything but four-letter words, and you know, and 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 this guy is using twenty-five-letter words. But but he, he's not wrong if it's an accurate description. <laughs> if he's accurately describing what you know, he's using much better. When you ask a guy who's a really good, who's a businessman by intuition, let's say I don't know, the stack didn't smell right, and I just decided to dump it. But I wanted to make sure nobody's looking, so I dumped it to him and, and got it there. That's that's one. That's his vocabulary and his intuition. You can quantify it and 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 try to explain what what were the factors that was feeling and sensing. Is that? It, it's it's a it's a it's a new language that helps you crystallize things that were inherent, like the morale. Morale's language is new; doesn't say the chazal anywhere, and yet people like myself who feel that this is the the, the basic meaning of chazal, they find the language just like good sophisticated language. It's not supposed to cover up; it's supposed to help crystallize ideas instead of just telling me, well, it doesn't feel right, not good. This you're able to use sharp words. That's what Chaim did. Rebbeim crystallized ideas with certain vocabulary. Well, then also, there was, he was saying the underlying premise that the Rambam didn't even have. Didn't, in other words, the Rambam was starting from that based correct, on that correct, premise. So. Correct. He was saying the Rambam, the Rambam must have had this premise. Right. Whether Rambam had it in Rebbeim's or did not, his premise was that this halacha is going to be mitzvah halachah start, not mitzvah halachah again. I mean, that's the question, and that's what I think where he's coming. Is that why people look and they see whether it be the Rambam, the Rambam, or whatever it is, they don't see. They don't see the Rishonim saying what the Achronim are saying. So they view it as two separate things. Because they because don't understand that Achronim property. If you can't say over, I had... I, the question is, why, don't, why didn't we Rishonim use the same language? So the language that no, every door has... Right. Why didn't Rishonim use... No, but not even the language. That's not true. Really saying that Hindu, but they said it. But the Chazan Ish, first of all, also has many times Lamsha Hagdaris, and he uses his own language. But certainly Hagdaris... That, that are new age. It, he didn't like the signal of the yeshivish world, but, but look at many, many of his, his hagdaris. They, they, they love this, but, but he has a language that he likes to use it with. You know, it, it, it's very clear like that.
In, in his third chalik, in, 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 in uh, I, I have a, a, a photocopy, I thought maybe he was learning it in class, but didn't realize there's no, in his Spanish, there's no, uh, you know, there's no Spanish to go into. Um, he he um, writes in his Akdama to I think the third chalik that I wrote the Sefer and Reb Chaim's Mahalach can't be used for every Rambam. Some Rambam's the answer, some is the gear, so he writes it himself. I'm writing a very different type of sefer. I'm not writing my chidushim. I'm trying to write a chibur on the Rambam. 
and and the Chibah Narabam includes everything. And that, I think that's what he's trying to be misnatzled. Uh, you know, people will criticize him and say, until that time, the, the, the typical Shashiva's Sefer was my best shtiklach that I said. And and he's basically said, you know, I'm, I'm writing a, a, a commentary on the Rambam, not, not my best shtiklach. He said that the, the Chavetz Chaim held that the Chaim Meizah was the... God of the was the Chaim Meizah for the Chavetz Chaim? Was how did he... It's the same relationship. The, 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 the Chavetz Chaim was someone that was seen as being about Ruch HaKadosh. And if the Chavetz Chaim said something, you didn't, you did not, um, you know, you, you, you did not say it differently. But he wasn't the one that was hand on the pulse. Rabbi Chaim Meizah, we'll speak about it, but he was the one who had his hand on the pulse. Recognized as the Gadol Hadar until later in life. Because that's that whole story with the Mayor Simcha and the Chavetz Chaim. That was part so, of a bigger thing. But, but in, in people, in people in Lita, the difference was Chavetz Chaim had many more stories. The, 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 the Gadol Hadar in what to do and what to say was a Chaim Meiser. There, there was no question about that. The Chavetz Chaim was like a Navi. It was like a Melech and a Navi. The, the Navi would occasionally chime in and then no one said differently. But, but the Navi wasn't the Melech. The, 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 someone told me, again, this I heard from one person, from the second person, that Reb Chaim had a car, or he had a, he had a car that drove him. And he, normally the Chavaz Chaim would insist on coming to Vilna and not Reb Chaim going to him. He felt that the, the problem. Once Reb Chaim was coming, anyway, I don't remember what the, what the reason was, he came to Rad. The Chavaz Chaim took out his Shabbos Kapata, and he stood a half hour before his expected arrival, standing with the family, waiting to come upon him. And he was constantly brushing off his kapot, asking everybody to be well, and asking himself, what did I do to be Zaycha, such a covet? His Arach of Rabbi was, that was the way people looked at Rabbi Chaim He didn't have a yeshiva, he didn't put out tzfarim. The stories of Rabbi are much broader stories. They're not, they don't have that flavor of emptying out the water bucket. You know, people from the people I remember, the the mirrors, the the person they spoke to of as being Leila Leila was Reb Chaim That was Reb Chaim was was you know in, in terms of his if if his uh, being Talmud Chacham of his knowledge of his psak of his chachma of his midas everything. That was Reb Chaim was at the most that was like Leila. Chavetz Chaim was like. From from Shemayim was like a Malach, a different type of. Uh... This is Rad. Okay, Rabbi, so we're approaching Rad. We smear the a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>